0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Tuesday edition of The Yard. And to be honest with you, I'm getting a little irritated about this. Do You guys know that I'm an addict, right? I mean, I'm in recovery, but I'm an addict. And so I'm a very routine-oriented person. I don't like how, I don't like change. I know that the only constant in life is change, but I don't like change. I don't like having to make changes to my routine. It irritates me, had internet service over the weekend and went out yesterday. I spent the most of the day yesterday on the phone uh, trying to get this issue resolved. And that's the thing too that's so frustrating about this kind of stuff is it's it's not just, hey, you make a call and then somebody fixes it. No, you gotta stay on the phone or you gotta stay in a chat session, and next thing you know, your day is gone. So I'm uploading this, I'm having to be creative. But we're getting it up. I'll be back tomorrow. Supposedly, they're going to have somebody here to fix it. And also, too, I'm going to be in Atlanta Thursday and in Columbia, South Carolina on Friday. But I will record Thursday. I feel confident that the hotel I'm staying at in Atlanta will have internet service. So we'll get you taken care of. I'll I'll bring the mic. We'll record Thursday night. So you have your Friday show. But I'm going to be on the road and uh, getting some things taken care of. Some things I can't talk about just yet and uh, doing a recovery deal on, uh, on Friday. And so I'm always very grateful when I have the opportunity to speak. Uh, I've had a lot of those uh, opportunities here as of late. And what's interesting, too, is uh, it seems like for the last month or so, I've kind of been inundated with people that uh, are having recovery-related type issues. And uh, I always enjoy being a resource when I can. A lot of people want me to sponsor them, and I just I just can't agree to do that. I just don't have the time to be available. I've uh, served, I guess, as a temporary sponsor for some people for a while. But uh, there are a lot of people out there that are hurting. And so when I think about when I'm mad and I'm angry, you know, the Internet's down, pool guy's not finished. I mean, those are the two biggest stressors in my life. But I think about there are some people out there that are having to deal with some very serious issues in life. And so it's good to have a little context. It's good to have a little gratitude that I'm not the one that's dealing with those things. And uh, if I make it to December, there's a good chance that I will, provided I live long enough, may, I'll be 31 years clean and sober. And, and uh, I, I just share that because, you know, sometimes I find myself with these first world problems, and it's like, you know, people message me, and it's like, hey, man, is there a Monday Boneyard? And it's not because they're being difficult. It's because they miss the show. Right, and so to have some proper context, I, th- I think that is extremely important. Ha- having context in life is one of the more underrated parts of maturity. You know, because it'd be easy for me to get out of here and get all upset, and you know, get up this morning, my dogs made a mess in the house, and it's like, you know, there was a time in my life, man, that um, you know, I had to really hustle to pay the rent. It's true. There it was a time in my life that uh, I think I shared this with you guys before. It's a big part of my story. I was so broke, man. I was so broke, but I was independent. I wasn't asking anybody for anything. I was trying to make my way in the world. I was a clean and sober person. And uh, I had bacon, tomato sandwiches almost every day, a couple weeks. I would go to Sack and Save because they had double coupons there. And it was a 55-cent coupon on the back of Likes Bacon. And so I could go up there, and I had just enough money to buy a loaf of bread, a tomato, and a pack of bacon. And that's what I lived off of. And then I'd go to AA meetings for my coffee, you know, and, and every so often somebody would say, hey man, let's go eat, you know. Uh, so I remember those days, and while I didn't enjoy them at the time, I look back at them, you know, basically with a lot of pride. And I think, you know what, I endured all that. Not that bacon, tomato sandwiches are bad, but it just kind of illustrates how broke I was. And, and so, you know, here I am getting upset because the pool guy's taking forever. Uh, You know, there was a time in my life I was just happy to have a house. Happy to have somewhere clean and cool to lay my head. I remember the house that I lived in back then, we didn't even have central air and heat. We had like a little space heater. That was it. There was no air. Had to go to bed at night. Before we lay down, we'd have to spray off on to lay down so the mosquitoes wouldn't just chew us apart. But you know what? I was happy. I was sober. And so I I don't ever want to get too far removed from those days and those uh, moments of gratitude because it's so easy, you know, you get caught up in everything else and it's like, man, I can't watch Netflix, you know, (laughs) it's like, yeah, like a savage, right? But then I think about how many other people out there have something going on. So I enjoy the, um, the dialogue with people and sadly we don't win a lot, you know, and I think that's an important thing to kind of understand too, is that, um, Yeah, I did that. I read the numbers a while back. And uh, according to Betty Ford Clinic, there was like one in 25 people that need professional help for their substance abuse issues get it. One in 25. And then of that group, of that 4%, one in 25 of those people actually have a year of sobriety, of sustained sobriety, at some point in their life. And so I don't say this out of uh, any gleeful satisfaction or any any grander or anything, but I, I'm I'm one of the exceptions, and so I give myself freely to these other people because I understand that I have a debt of gratitude that I owe, and so it makes all this other stuff not seem quite so important, you know. I'm we used to spend our days, uh, you know, listening to uh, to CDs on on the on the boombox and playing Legend of Zelda, and life was great, and I had a little four four cup coffee pot. And then the, the four cup thing was just—they were just kidding about that. You know, basically, it'd make you two good cups of coffee. So I always had that pot of coffee on, playing Legend of Zelda and listening to the Led Zeppelin box set or something like that. Or I got into Saigon Kick back then. listened to those guys. You know, and it's like I, I remember those songs in those days, and I remember the greatest—the greatest joy was being able to sit down with my friends and be able to—you know, get a frozen pizza or something and watch MTV and watch me with some Butthead and i felt like you know it's not always going to be like this you know there, there will be a day when i'm not maybe working quite so hard and having to sacrifice quite so much but i enjoyed my friends and i enjoyed the fact that i was sober and i was enjoyed the fact that i wasn't the guy that was causing all the problems in the neighborhood you know when you got home at night i didn't have you know 20 cars in the in the in the yard or lined up down the street anymore those days were behind me and so Again, I share all that, and I didn't mean to get on here and preach. I mean, I'm not going to pass around an offering plate or anything like that, but um, just kind of wanted to share with you kind of a life's lessons this morning. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I do. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time by myself, and sometimes, you know, I'll forget to eat, and I'll think, you oh, know, man, i got to eat something good. You know, I'm in a hurry or whatever. And, you know, you can get Bulldog Burger to go. And one of the things that I like about that, you know, how sometimes like you get something to go and you get it home and it's just not very good. They do such a good job packaging all this stuff. You know, it's still warm when you get home, and you and no, 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 tell where you live. You know, you may have to warm it up, but it's sustained well. You know, or sometimes I go get food somewhere else and I get it home and I was like, this is disgusting. You know, man, Bulldog Burger Company they just do it right in every aspect whether you're having the dining experience with great food and great service at a great price and a great atmosphere or whether you're getting it to go and that blt salad you know sometimes you know when you get things to go you don't get the same portion that's just the reality of life you know maybe the container is just not quite as good as the in-store uh, bowl or whatever that's man that's not the case bulldog burger company i love that blt salad and i think you will too if you're a person that maybe you don't want to eat quite as heavy maybe you're looking to watch carbs Get that grilled BLT salad. It'll make you feel good. It will. It's fantastic. But, of course, Bulldog Burger Company, known for their wonderful hamburgers, the good restaurant-quality hamburger, one of the fine delicacies in life. Go by and pick out your favorite. If you're not sure what to order, order the Bulldog. You can't go wrong there. And even if that's all you ever eat there, like every time you go, you get the Bulldog, you're going to leave fulfilled. I would encourage you, though, to maybe experiment a little bit. I had the Mission with a pico de gallo on the side. The Good Morning Burger is great, too. The Freshman 15 was one of my early favorites. There's a reason those burgers are still on the menu. It's because they're fabulous. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark, Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive in the roads and Flowood area. Be sure to go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T. M-E-A-T. I wanted to spend a little time talking quarterback recruiting today. I, I still believe Mississippi State is in a good position with Chris Parson. I know that he's committed to Florida State, and I know that he's a guy that went to League 11 and said, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm still looking forward to being a Seminole. I mean, here's my honest opinion about that. And maybe it's because I've got a little intel, you know. He's still expected with his family to visit Mississippi State again later this month. And that could change, but as of now, he's planning to be here later this month. I believe he went to Elite 11 and he said where he needed to to survive the moment. There's a lot of that. We've been through it before, right, with Chris Jones, you know, right, Chris and others. You know, sometimes they say what they have to just to kind of make it through. I remember talking to Jeff Simmons. And Jeff recently, of course, we talked about him on the show. Uh, Jeff and him, you know, had the had camp in Starkville and gave all that money to Knoxville County. I'm so proud of that guy. I mean, so incredibly proud of him. But I remember when Jeff was a recruit – you know, we took all his official visits. Maybe he didn't take all five of them, but he visited State, and he went and visited Ole Miss. And so I, so Jeff calls me that Sunday he gets back from Ole Miss. And traditionally, the way that we handle that, there is, you know, I, I may be the last of the Mohicans when it comes to this, but there is an ethics involved with recruiting visit stories. So – You know, when I worked for Scout.com and Fox Sports, I had a territory, right? And so I had to cover Mississippi State and then every, like, non-LSU Louisiana kid and then every non-Arkansas, Arkansas kid. And Arkansas only had a handful of D1 guys every year, so it wasn't that big a deal. But the school or the site that hosts the guy, they're the ones that do the interview, right? So, like, a kid visits Mississippi State, it's me or Paul Jones who do those interviews, I mean, it's just, it's just a professional courtesy. And so sometimes I'd have to interview kids that maybe didn't visit Mississippi State because even though they weren't a bulldog uh, or even if they were a bulldog recruit, we may not have a site specific that could catch up with those guys. And so sometimes I would have to do those interviews. And like, you know, when A.J. Brown visited Alabama, Alabama folks couldn't get him on the phone and, and I was able to do that. And uh, and so you kind of help each other out, but you know we had a very very strong old site then. We got a great one now too. But when Jeff was coming out, sometimes I would interview Jeff. Down the stretch, Jeff was really good about answering the phone. I probably talked to him weekly, maybe the last six weeks or so. You know who who's come in done an in home visit. You know what's coming up next, any changes to your schedule, that kind of stuff. Just a little five ten minute interview. And so Jeff calls me that Sunday when he gets back from Ole Miss to see if I want to do a story. And I said, well, Jeff, no, I mean, I, you know, we'll let uh, Yancey and those guys, they are the guys that cover Ole Miss. And so even though I did some good coverage of Ole Miss here a few years ago too, but um, it's better to let them have the story. Now, I'll talk to you in a day or two, you know, and he, and he said, listen, I, I, no matter what you hear, I'm not going to Ole Miss. This is the Sunday before National Signing Day. Now, according to all the intel and all the bits of Tid and all the things like that that got posted and all of that, you know, they were thinking they were going to get him. And Jeff's like, I'm not going to Ole Miss. It's going to be Mississippi State or Alabama. That's the Sunday before National Signing Day. That's Jeff. Of his own volition, he calls, expecting me to do an interview, expecting me to do a story, and sharing that he's not going to Ole Miss. But, again, ask me to keep it under wraps. Again, it's just a kid trying to survive, right? And so, ultimately, we get down to it. And, uh, you know, some old Miss people made the drive to Macon to go watch him commit to Mississippi State. And uh, you don't know this, but, like, um, so we, we used to have this thing called Spring Box when we were Scout. And so it's kind of like you could do, like, voiceovers. Like, you could have, like, a little, you know, two-minute segment of, of, like, you talking about recruits or whatever, and then there would be, like, this video montage. It'd be these, you know, pictures or whatever. And so the guys at the Old Miss Spirit actually had already done one for Jeff. I mean, that's how confident they were. And that's not – I'm not in any way being critical of them. Um, but that's how contentious the thing got. And so Jeff is just trying to survive. And then – so the day before NAFL signing day, I get a call from one of Jeff's coaches and said, hey, Jeff wants you to be at the, at the ceremony. And this was in the height of all this craziness, you know, with Ole Miss and everything. And I, was, and I, I said, listen, I, I want to drive all the way over there and see this guy commit to Ole Miss, you know. And they said, oh, he's not going to Ole Miss. He's going to Mississippi State. And so I was going to go over there and go to the ceremony, and I got to thinking, too, what if I show up over there and there are some Ole Miss media people there? Because, I mean, at this point it was really it was really bad, right? It was really getting tough. And um, this is all class of 16, right? And so – I said, I want to go over there and detract from his moment. Like, what if I go over there and, like, somebody know Miss Media says something, and nobody ever has. I mean, you know, they're a lot tougher on Twitter and their message boards, than they are in person. Uh, My point, though, is that I don't don't want to detract from Jeff Simmons' moment. And so so I didn't go, and then, of course, I was able to interview him a little bit later. But I think about that scenario when I think about Chris Parson, and that's a long way to get there. But I think this is a situation where Chris Parson – is simply trying to survive the process. He committed to Florida State initially because he wanted to go to Florida State. It was his dream to go to Florida State. He bought the T-shirt. He had the posters on the wall. Everything was about Florida State. And so things have changed. You know, Florida State now appears to be in a good position with Brock Glenn. And that's the thing that I I think about too. You know, Mississippi State was the first Power Five school to really kind of go all in on Brock Glenn. He came to camp last year at Mississippi State. You know, what that tells me, even if we don't get that guy, it tells me we know what we're doing when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. Right? Because now all of a sudden he's got offers from Ohio State and everybody else in Auburn. There was all this discussion about him going to Auburn and there was some apprehension about, you know, what's going to happen with the coaching staff, what if they bring in another coach, and it's a different offensive scheme. It doesn't really lend itself to Brock Glenn's skill set. You know, so there's a lot with that. But I'm encouraged, even though we're not going to get Brock Glenn, that we knew what we were doing. Not that you would expect any less than Mike Leach, but we're on the right kids. And we've only had a handful of offers for the quarterbacks. We discussed that a while back. And um, let's take a quick look at that, and then I want to look back at some other quarterback recruiting stuff, kind of how things have gone uh, here in the last few years. It's uh, So officially, we're listed with nine quarterback offers, Nine. I shared that with you. That's among the best in the, uh, the fewest in the SEC. And so, of that nine, you're including Ja' Eugene Jr., who is actually going to be expected to be at Mississippi State later this month at Top Dog Camp to work out at safety. So basically, you've got eight, eight true quarterback offers. Of those eight, seven of eight are now committed. Brock Glenn is the, the long undeclared. And so, and just kind of looking at these numbers here, Dante Moore committed to Oregon. That's a great program, right? Jackson Arnold committed to Oklahoma. Christopher Vizina committed to Clemson. Eli Holstein to Alabama. J.J. Cole, who was from Iowa, committed to Iowa State. Brandon Dorman committed to commits to Arizona, and then, of course, Chris Parsons committed to Florida State. And so I, I say that, you know, we're not chasing the, quote, developmental quarterback under Mike Leach. When we offer a guy, he's a bona fide dude. This is a guy that can come in here and play. You know, we're chasing some of the best of the best. And, like, I, I read sometimes these comments on, um, you know, on Twitter. that You guys, there are only 32 five-stars in the country. And we have only signed a handful of five stars in our school's history. And of course, the ranking system didn't go back. You know, Melvin Barkham would probably have been a five-star, right? If, if we're looking at it you know, through the lens of, of hindsight. But in the history of the rankings process, and we've only had a handful. You know, I mean, it's crazy to think about that. I mean, you know, with the, there aren't a lot in Mississippi historically, and we're not going to be able to go get a five-star kid uh, you know, five star out of, out of the state of Mississippi. That's just that's not going to happen. It's just that's just kind of the reality of life. I don't and sometimes I don't think people fully appreciate that. We say, well, Steve, you got to go do it. It's not that simple. So you know, looking at the numbers here, we've had seven five star signees in the modern day history of the ranking process. one. Robinson, Chris Jones, Jerus Norwood, Darren Williams, Charles Cross, Jeffrey Simmons, Derek Pegues. F- seven. And they are like, well, well, Steve, why aren't we chasing more four- and five-star guys? Well, we, we are. Doesn't mean we, we, we get them, but we are chasing them. It's not like the staff's like, you know what, hey, we're just a three-star program, so let's just offer the three-star kids because we know that we're going to get them. Mm-hmm. I think this is a situation where Mike Leach just doesn't subscribe to that, that ideology. Let's go chase the best ones, and let's go get them. And I'm not ready to call it yet, but I feel pretty good about this Chris Parsons situation because of the fracture in the relationship there. And I think this, the staff's done a great job, kind of stayed on him. And listen, Chris is a different quarterback, right? He's a different guy. He's a difference maker. But did you ever dream of the day that maybe Mississippi State was making Florida State sweat out a quarterback commitment? Not just a, a recruit, but their kid. Florida State people, they're like, we're going to lose this guy to Mississippi State? If that doesn't say that we've graduated a little bit when it comes to quarterback recruiting, I don't know what does. And again, we're very stingy with the offers. We're not chasing a bunch of guys that Mike Leach hadn't signed off on. I think that's important to kind of look at. And let's look at what we've done, you know, since Mike Leach has been here, in you know, when it's come to these quarterback commitments. I mean, you know, you go back to I mean, the year one. You know, we we had the, all the situation in 2020 where you know, things were there was so much upheaval with all that stuff. But I, I go back and I think about what did we do quarterback recruiting wise that year? Well, Will Rogers was already committed That's a Joe Moorehead commitment, and then you go go out and get KJ Costello, and KJ Costello was considered the number two transfer in the country. It's a four star, right? And so, you look at that and you begin to think, okay, right out of the gate, you got Will Rogers, an in-state guy, and then while he is, the plan is for him to develop, we're going to go get KJ Costello because we plan to win right now. That's pretty good recruiting. JT Daniels, of course, was the number one transfer that year. And and he's been the number one transfer, I guess, a couple times now, but... uh, The reality of it is, is right out of the gate, I think Mike Leach says, hey, we're going to change the narrative here. Yeah, Will Rogers may have been a guy that we would have taken most years. You know, maybe he didn't fit the Dan Mullen Mullen scheme, right? Because, you know, there's so much quarterback run and all that stuff. Will probably doesn't fit that. I think he'd have been a good fit for the Joe Moorhead offense. He's a great fit for this one. But, again, I go back to the fact that, hey, we're looking to uh, improve our quarterback recruiting. And so we go out and get Will and then KJ. And I think, you know, at that point you say, okay, let's go. And then we go beat OSU the way we we did. And and we're all like, oh, look at this. It's going to be a fun ride. And it was. A lot of frustration too that year. I I remember I was just happy to make it through the year. Weren't you all? Let's just make it through the year. In addition to that, the first full year, we take two more quarterbacks. I mean, it didn't take Mike Leeds a lot long at all once he got here. You know, Once he got here and got settled in, you know, he brings in Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Green. All right, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovus want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovus boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovus has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles. the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at UFI. Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three in one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera too. Uh, It's easy to install. F Y this is a guy that was already recruiting them when he was at the university at Washington state university. And so the first four quarterbacks of the Mike Leach era are Will Rogers that he inherited, but he also recruited him at Washington state. It wasn't like he was unfamiliar with them. Of course, for the Gardner Minshew relationship and that sort of stuff, they were, they were already on him. And we just talked about how stingy Leach is of quarterback offers So if Leach offers him at Washington State, why wouldn't he want him at Mississippi State? He absolutely would. And look at what he's done. So you get Will, you get KJ, and you pick up Daniel Greek, and then shortly thereafter, Sawyer Robertson. Now, we have talked a lot about Sawyer Robertson. And listen, Daniel Greek looks the part, too. I just think Sawyer's a little little better, you know. But watching him this spring, you know, he's put on a little weight. He looks stronger. I'm eager to see what he's going to do with this offense. And, again, this is a guy, too, that had a ton of offers. It wasn't like this is a situation where Mississippi State got him by default. It's a kid that committed early. Kid who was excited about being here. He's still excited about being here. I expect to see him on the field some this year. But, again, I think when you're going to take two quarterbacks, you know, especially if you're Mississippi State, you're going to have to get a developmental guy and then probably a blue chip, and we've done that. And that is in no way disrespectful to Daniel Greek. I mean, Daniel Greek's a guy that, that we got because Dave Nickel had a relationship with the dad and mm-hmm. a lot of the guys on the staff know him. And so, because if you take two, especially if you get two highly recruited guys, it's difficult to do, as we see with Chris Parson. I mean, you know, you, you don't most guys don't want to be part of a two-quarterback class. Ultimately, somebody's going to transfer. Somebody's going to be unhappy. And people say, well, they're going to be, they be scared of competition. There's only one quarterback. It's not like you're a receiver or a safety where you can find a way to get on the field. So, And you only get a short time in life to play ball, as, as you guys are well aware. But you're going to usually take developmental guy, and they're all developmental in some respects, and then a the highly heralded guy. So we've done that. So we successfully, basically in the first few months of the Leach era, had basically transformed this quarterback room. And, of course, things didn't work out with K.J., and I don't think that's an indictment on Mike Leach. Who knew the kid couldn't read defenses, you know? It's one thing to do it in the classroom. It's another thing to do it on the field. Tried to do too much, couldn't play with it himself, couldn't stay healthy. You know, you remember after K.J. Costello carved up LSU, and even in that game we had a bunch of turnovers. We should have beaten LSU by 30 or 40 points. You had a couple fumbles. You had a couple bad picks. I the one that Eli Ricks really kind of sticks in my crawl. The guy had not played well at all. And it's like he had been victimized over and over and over again. And then we let a ball stay inside a little bit and our throw it. He picks it off and he acts like he gets up like he's won the Heisman. You know, like that kind of stuff irritates me. I mean, dude, lay down. All right. And so we get, we get through that year. And then the next thing you know, it's okay. We go into Texas and we get – you know, these these guys that uh, are familiar with Leach and are familiar with the scheme. So, you know, kind of what's next here, you know? Well, we go out and get Brayden Locke. You can say, you know what, Steve, I've heard the name. I don't know a lot about him. Well, he's one of the most prolific pastors in the history of the state of Texas high school football. Do they play a better brand of high school football in the country than they do in Texas? I mean, really ask yourself that. He's a little bit undersized. But you know, in this offense, maybe you know you don't need that prototypical, you know, six four, six five type guy. You can kind of get away being six one or so, six foot. But you go get Braden Locke, and it's like you begin to think about the fact that how we're kind of stacking this room up. Will Rogers, a guy that uh, has proven to be one of the most prolific passers in the country last year. We need, we need to replicate that and get better this year. And then you've got a four-star behind him in Sawyer Roberts and then Daniel Greek and Daniel Greek. And maybe Daniel ends up being a G5 guy somewhere. Doesn't mean he was a bad take. I mean, if you see that guy in person, you're impressed. I mean, the guy's athletic. He is. But it's a pretty talented room around him too. You know, So I won't be surprised at some point if he decides to leave. And that's not to say that I'm giving up on the guy. I think the guy's a competitor. And then you add Braden Locke in here, and you start thinking, man, we've never had it so good. You know, I remember, you know, when Dan Mullen got here, and I don't mean any disrespect to disrespect anybody. But can you imagine the day Dan Mullen walked in here and saw his quarterback room thinking about the scheme, but he wants to run, and he sees Chris Ralph, You know, a guy that ran the wing tee in high school, and there's Tyson Lee, a walk-on, and Tyler Russell, skinny Tyler Russell, not very mobile. I'm sure Dan was kind of underwhelmed, and that's in no way disrespectful to those players because they all came out here and did some big things for us. They really thrived in a Dan Mullen scheme. Then you kind of look at what Mike Leach has today. You know, on paper – this is the most accomplished quarterback room in the history of Mississippi State. And I don't think it's close. It's one thing to have Tyler Russell, right? And you look at that room, you know, Tyson Lee, Tyler Russell, Chris Ralph. You know, Chris won some in high school. Tyson won some in high school. Tyler won big. Tyler broke the streak, beat South Panola, won a state championship. It's an incredible career for him. But that was the one guy you had that you looked at and said, you know what, this kid could probably start for multiple SEC teams. Now you look at this room and you've got multiple guys that could probably start for SEC teams. That's the thing you start thinking about now. We always talk about upgrading our talent pool. And there have been some times in our past it's like we'd get a quarterback and it's like, okay, we don't need to go chase a big-time guy next year because we've got our guy. I like Mike Leach's philosophy of this is that we're going to go chase a quarterback, a big-time quarterback, every year. We're never just going to go get a guy that's a roster filler. We're going to go chase a big-time quarterback every year. We want to take one every year. But we're going to go chase the best of the best, and we're going to get them sometimes. You know, we've had some quarterback situations not work out our way. But you're not going to see Mike Leach out there throwing 50 offers out to a bunch of quarterbacks and then kind of letting the dust settle. He's hand-picking these guys. I venture to say there are probably not anybody in the country that knows more about the forward pass among active coaches than Mike Leach. And so if Mike Leach wants a guy, people are going to pay attention. And so I think if you're Chris Parson and you look at the fact that Mike Leach is so selective in who he offers and has been so successful in the quarterbacks that he's played, I think you begin to look at this Mississippi State situation and say, hey, if I really want to get to the next level, maybe this is what I need to do. You know, is he Kyler Murray? now? he's not probably not quite that skilled, probably not that athletic. But he's kind of in the same vein. Now, that didn't necessarily fit what Mike Leach has done historically. He's, Mike's never really had the, the especially mobile quarterback. But when you look at what some of his disciples are doing around the country and in the National Football League, and those guys talk all the time, I'm, I'm not the least bit hesitant to say that I think Mike is probably maybe modernizing things a little bit. It's maybe I don't need that guy to go out. I'm still going to throw it, you know, 60 times a game. But when things break down, I'd like to have that guy that can go get the, make a play for me. I'm not going to say you're going to have a bunch of design quarterback runs if you get Chris Parson, but I think Chris Parson adds an element to this, especially with everybody doing drop eight, right? You drop eight with him, he lets you get down the field, he can just tuck and go pick up the first down. Just move the chains. Kind of methodically just kind of stick it on down your, down the field. Uh, but the reality of it is I, I'm, I feel good about Chris Parson. I don't feel great yet, and maybe it's because I don't want to get too hopeful yet or get too emotionally invested in this. But I believe State's in a good spot. And if he shows up at the end of the month, if he shows up at the end of the month and has a good visit, I think I'll be ready to go ahead and make the flip pick. I really do. I I think if he comes in here in a couple weeks, with his family has a great time, I think we'll get him. And with that, let's give uh, Chris Parson, our Prime Shrimp Player of Emphasis Award today. If you know Prime Shrimp, and I told you guys too, this, this offer is going to run out at the end of the month. So don't delay. Go to PrimeShrimp.com and use promo code Boneyard to save 20 bucks off your first order. I love Prime Shrimp. Uh, recently got on the ship then I think I'm probably back on the, uh, the simply seasoned flavor. I think I'm probably back there. It's, it's crazy how that works. Like, you know, if you had the same thing for a while and it's like, ah, oh, you know, you try something different and you forget about how good it is. Like the Louisiana Shrimp Bowl is great too. Uh, go check them out today, com. They've been in the shrimping business for over 40 years. And uh, just like Bubba, they know everything there is to know about the shrimping business. And it's so easy, it's ready to cook. That's the best thing about it. It's delicious, but it's also ready to cook. And so you don't have all that cleanup and all that prep that's associated with store bought shrimp. You put on a pot of water to boil, you drop those in, 10 minutes later, you're ready to eat. And you're going to be amazed. You're going to be really be amazed. They will ship direct to your house. And I know some say, Steve, we live in Mississippi. I can't leave shrimp outside all day. Yes, you can, because they package it so well. It's happened to me. It's it's great. They've got a great operation. And those little pouches fit very handy in your freezer. They don't take up a lot of room. So check them out today, primeshrimp.com, promo code Boneyard. All right, time for today's top 10 list. We've had a lot of good suggestions here as of late. Lot. A lot of good suggestions. But I'm gonna go with one of my own today. And as always, the top ten list is brought to you by my friend in the industry, Blair Chandler. Yeah, you know, I like that's one thing I will say. Over the years, I have developed some great friendships of people that work in industries that are very helpful. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Maybe you're one of those kind of people it's like, hey Steve, I've never had a mortgage, I've just had to rent. Maybe it's time you try to buy. Maybe you've tried it in the past, or maybe the process has been too intimidating for you. Go with a guy that knows what he's doing. 21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back years in the top 1% close ratio in the country. Blair Chandler is a guy that gets things done. Visit him today at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And let him know that you heard about him on the ball the yard. If you do, he's going to pay for your appraisal because he wants your business. There's a lot of people out there that like, Man, I'd love to do business with you. Blair's like, you know what? Hey, I'm going to lay down the gauntlet here. Not only do I want, to, want your business, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to pay for your appraisal. Mention the yard to him. Let me give you his cell number, too. You don't have to deal with having to go through some phone tree or something like that, like the, what I've had to go through. You know, with your, People are always transferring you. You can hit Blair directly up. 601-500-2344. That's his personal cell. Call or text 601-500-2344 whether you're looking to refinance, consolidate some debt, get some cash out, get your equity working for you, or perhaps buy a home for the first time, Blair's a guy that can get it done for you. I, I can personally guarantee you that. Blair, if if it can be done, Blair Chandler will get it done. Again, that's close Blair.com. All right, I have still been so excited about Stranger Things. I'm going to go back and watch the, the season finale again. If you haven't watched Stranger Things, and I've had some of you guys have reached out to me, my buddy Jason Dice, uh, love that guy to death, man. It's, he and Dawn, the whole family are great. Uh, they picked me up on the side of the road one time when I broke down in Meridian. Great people. Jason hit me up and said, We just watched the first couple episodes of Stranger Things. We're hooked. and have never even given it an opportunity. And One On a Rider is in there, too. And I love One On a Rider. I've met One On a Rider. How about that? I think I've shared that with you guys before. That's a story for another day. But, um... That, I was intrigued by that. Number one, I thought the premise of the show was pretty interesting. But I, I went on a writer fan, and I was glad to see her kind of back. And uh, it was just interesting to me. And the first season is um, is maybe unlike seasons two and three because it has to set this real dark narrative. It does. So to st- st- stick with it. It kind of lightens up a little bit at points, and they get more character development with some of the kids. But I love Stranger Things, and uh, we have talked about Eddie on the show, talked about him on social media, that sort of stuff, but uh, a lot of people are still like, are kind of getting up to speed now, and you're like, holy smokes, man. And I don't know if you guys know this, this is a pretty cool thing here. I'm going to read some numbers to you. Just kind of the power of Netflix, man. This is crazy. So this is from a Loudwire.com article yesterday. Because Master of Puppets has had this renaissance and this you know, revival because it was featured in the show. Metallica has never had a number one song. It's amazing to think about. That. They've never had a number one song. Now, maybe on the rock charts, but you know what I'm talking about. They've never had a, a true number one. Listen to these numbers. Metallica's Master of Puppets, which was released in 1983... I think that's right, uh, has continued to experience an explosion in popularity over the last week with a whopping 17.5 million Spotify downloads since the Stranger Things season four finale was released on July 1st. So in 11 days, 17 and a half downloads on Spotify alone, not even thinking about the downloads on Apple Music, which more people use, which is, it's phenomenal to think about this. Master of Puppets initially entered Spotify's top 50 global chart within a few days of the episode airing. According to Ask Gamblers, I don't know who that is, the track had 426,623,861 Spotify downloads last week. Are you kidding me? Nearly half a million, excuse me, half a billion downloads in a week. It is ridiculous, man. And as of yesterday, they're up to 444 million downloads. Has an 80% popularity score. The song has a 5,000% search surge on Google the day after the finale came out. So since a lot of people are getting into Metallica for the first time, many of you young bucks that... uh, you know, I don't know what you've been listening to. You know, all this cute stuff. You know, might as well be listening to, what is it, Justin Bieber, whatever. Maybe that's your jam. Talented kid. It's a different deal. But for those of you that are just getting into Metallica, I'm going to give you a crash course today on the top 10 of the top 10 Metallica albums. And the best song from each. Now, I'm going to mention some, like, when we get to Injustice for All, Injustice for All, Harvester of Sorrow and Blackened are two songs that uh, a lot of us headbangers really like that didn't make the radio. I don't know if they play Blackened anymore. I think they still have Harvester of Sorrow in the the set. So I'm going to walk you through it. Because I know many of you are like, man, Master Puppets is great. There's a lot more to it. Metallica is one of the greatest rock bands in the history of the world. We talk about the big four, right? Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer. Metallica has like dwarfed the rest of them when it comes to album sales. All right, so here we go. Now, I know that I am in the majority when I say this, the number 10 album is Saint Anger. The mix was off and the, the, Lars is a great drummer. Okay, even though a lot of the stuff that, that, that they do in the studio, they can't replicate live, and that's really the case for everybody. But Saint Anger, the mix was awful. And I don't know what was going on with the snare when when they put all that stuff together, it just wasn't very good. I don't think the songs are great. I think there are a couple of shiny moments on the album. I think a lot of this too is you know James is battling with the substance abuse issues, and if you haven't seen. Uh, some Kind of Monster, the documentary about all this. It's a wonder this album even got made and they even continued as a band. But we're going to go with the song Frantic. That's number 10 on your list, Frantic, from the album St. Anger, which is your 10th place album. And I think the whole thing just seems disjointed to me. Maybe you feel differently. Number, number nine off the album Load. And if some of you guys love that album. I like it. I don't love it. I like it. I don't love it. But we're going to go with a little different track, Until It Sleeps. It's Metallica all the way, but it's not just kind of in-your-face, up-tempo stuff the whole way through. So from the album Load, Until It Sleeps. Number eight, from their most recent studio album, which is now six years old, and I suspect that we're going to get new Metallica. Because people want it, man. Number one, it was going to have to be a multi-platinum album anyway. But now with this new surge in popularity, not to mention Robert Trujillo's in the band, I mean it's it's time to put some things together. So I suspect we'll have a full-length, you know, album of new Metallica tracks with seven-minute songs in it, and we'll all be happy about life. But we're going off hardwired to self-destruct. It's the song "Atlas Rise," and it is one of those again, James Hetfield vocals that uh, very vintage in many respects. It's classic Headfield on Atlas Rise. All right, number seven. This is a song that everybody knows. They played at sporting events. It's off the album Reload, which actually didn't sell as well as Load did. I think it is a superior album. I think Load is better. Reload is better than Load. And we're going with Fuel. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. What great lyrics, man. It's true. Now, this is one, too, it's going to have an air of familiarity to it, too. Somebody's like, until it sleeps in Atlas Rise, maybe if you're a casual fan of Metallica or a new fan, maybe you don't know it, you've heard Fuel. You absolutely have. All right, number six, an album that was really kind of a return to form for them, and I really liked it. I know some of the critics kind of panned this album. I thought it was great because they got back to the longer songs. I I thought they stopped experimenting. I think they got back to who they really were. And it's Death Magnetic. It is a great album. Now, All Nightmare Long is phenomenal. I love it. But I didn't go with that one. I went with The Day That Never Comes. I love the breakdown. I think Kirk Hammett is amazing on this album. And and this song, I think, is a real high point, too. Kirk, I, I don't know that Kirk gets enough credit. And he's such a humble guy. It's like when you, you know, when you see the interviews, like James and Lars are kind of the voices of Metallica. And I think Kirk is exactly perfectly positioned to deal with all that think he's happy to not be that guy up front but that guy is a phenomenal guitarist phenomenal in the words of ben Howland. all right now we're going to get into and this is where it could get a little bit dicey it could and i'm okay with that because even if you disagree with me usually i would say you're wrong i don't know that you could go wrong ranking the top five metallic albums because they, they're, they're not just classic Metallica albums. These are some of the most innovative and incredible albums of our lifetime. This is a band that really changed the course of music. And so, if you feel differently than I do, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass today. Because I know people are very passionate about Metallica. They've got one of the most loyal fan bases in the world. I mean, like, you, you guys think the Dave Matthews band and the uh, Widespread Panic people are phenomenal? You don't know nothing. Go to a Metallica show. They don't even have to have an album out. They don't even have to advertise a show. They could just tweet out, hey, we're going to be here, and there's going to be 20,000 people there. It's, it's like They're kind of like our Iron Maiden. It's, it's crazy. So here we go, into the top five. And I was wrong earlier. It was this album that came out in 83. It's Kill Them All. Master Puppets came out in 86. They pumped them out pretty quick. You know, Megaforce Records was pretty good about getting records out there. We're, you didn't know, have all this bureaucracy when it came with Thrash. But uh, number five is Kill Them All. Now, I remember I was kind of late to the bandwagon when it came to Metallica. I had a friend back home named Jason Dawsey. Uh, he, and his, he and his brother Doug were, were in Metallica. And I went to Jason's house, we're on weekend, get together, spend the night, whatever. And we sat around because he was a metal guy, too. His parents wouldn't let him grow his hair long. But he had Cliff them all. And I had heard of Metallica. I'd heard a couple songs. They didn't get a lot of radio airplay back then. And so I saw Cliff them all. And uh, I was like, there's just something different about this band. Yes, they're harder. Yes, they're faster. But there is a substance to them that I didn't know really existed. And so I went out shortly thereafter, and I bought my own copy of *Kill 'Em All. Now, one of my favorite tracks on that album is No Remorse, and that one doesn't get a lot of play either. I love that song, and uh, I remember watching them perform that on *Cliff 'Em All, and I thought, this is, this is maybe what I've been missing. You know, I enjoyed the, the West Hollywood stuff, but uh, these guys here, there's a little something different. There's an aggression with them that really resonated with me. But we're gonna go with the classic "Seek and Destroy." And when uh, I had a band years ago in Hattiesburg with Eric Carter and uh, Billy Davis and some other guys, and this is one of the first songs that we worked up. And I can still sing this too. One of these days, I may just grab the mic at Bulldog Bash. That's one of my dreams too. Just since we're talking about this, one of my dreams is to introduce the bands at Bulldog Bash. Maybe be the MC. Come out there, hey, you know, welcome to Starkville. You know, I'd love to be able to do that. So if you're on that committee, get at me. You don't have to pay me or anything. I'll just come do it for free. I just want to come be a part of all that, enjoy the energy of Bulldog Bash. I'd love to do that. And you never know. Maybe we put together a little uh, jam session at the end. You know, I'll sing Seek and Destroy. How about that? All right. uh, Number four. You guys know this song. If you've ever attended a Mississippi State football game in the last three years, since Red Hobart, Redesigned our entrance. Thanks, Rhett. Thanks, Rhett. For home, to bell tolls. Off, ride the lightning. That's your number four song today. Ride the lightning is a phenomenal album. And and you look when you go and and some of it's got to do with record companies and people making an investment because when Kill 'Em All came out, uh, they weren't quite sure what Metallica was going to be. You could tell after that there was some money put into the production value of Ride the Lightning. And I think, you know, For Whom the Bell Tolls was probably one of my favorite Metallica songs because, you know, they'd already been out a couple of years before I really got involved. And, and you know, Jason was my sponsor for Metallica. And this is a guy too, like he listened, he wasn't just, he was a Slayer guy and he listened to Hollow's Eve and Stacey Anderson from Hollow's Eve. Like Jason joined their fan club and and he and Stacey Anderson would write letters back and forth. If we did that back then. We're from the 1900s when you actually had to like mail things. So Jason was really in. So he was like the expert in Marion County about thrash metal and about the darker side of things. And he took a lot of criticism for it. I mean, as a kid, man, it's like, oh, why is he listening to this devil-worshipping stuff? You know, and, and it wasn't devil-worshipping stuff. And I guess maybe some of it was, but... Yeah, but the reality of it is, is that um, yeah, you know, I, th- I think young people, especially when you're in, when you're trying to figure out the world, and all of a sudden you find a theme song or you find somebody that can provide a soundtrack to your life, there's a comfort level with that, and there are people out there that want to be critical of that. I, I just think it's terrible, and I don't care who you listen to. I mean, honestly, I'm not a music snob. Find what works for you. But I've thought about that. Like Jason now is like this tenured professor and everything. He's an incredibly intelligent guy. He's written some incredible paper. He's been published. Uh, nationally, recently got back from Europe. Like he goes over there and does all this you know, stuff that I would never think of. I mean, he's just he's fascinated by history, and uh, and he's been to probably a hundred Metallica shows. So you see that guy, and you think you know him, but you don't. But we got into this. So I think for Home to Bell Tolls may have been like one of my early favorites, and I credit Jason for that too. I mean, he used to always tell me. Because there's, there's a part in there, and I, I still disagree with Jason, where, where he says, for whom the bells toll. And he's like, no, Steve, it's one bell, two tolls. I've always, Every time I hear that, I think of Jason saying that. One bell, two tolls. For whom the bell tolls, number four. Number three, now this is where I'm going to probably get in trouble here. I'm probably going to get in trouble here. And I'm okay. Because I know there are a lot of people that are kind of casual fans of Metallica that kind of got into the band when the videos first started because there was a long time that Metallica was like, we're never going to do any videos. We're not going to do any of this stuff. They did do videos and they did a bunch of them for the Black Album, which gave them incredible exposure on MTV. And it was right, right in the meaty part of music changing. And so off the Black Album, I'm going to go enter Sandman I could go a lot of different directions. I almost went unforgiven here. But if you're just getting into Metallica, this is probably the album to download first because there's going to be a lot of tracks that are familiar to, but also, too, I think you know Bob Rock and his guys just did such a great job sonically producing this album. So all of a sudden, Metallica went from being like this cult band, and I say cult because they had such a huge following without a lot of national media attention it was all very grassroots and underground now all of a sudden metallica was in the mainstream and people began to call them sellouts and i remember jason newstead saying yep we are sellouts we sell out every seat in the house every single night it's great and uh what's so funny too is so many people that were critical of metallica were bands that were less successful so there were people were just envious of their success so we're going to go enter sandman and even though I get it. That's a hit. Everybody knows it. And, you know, traditionally, we kind of, we try to go a little deeper and do some deeper tracks around here. I'm just, I'm doing this basically because I love you. And I'm trying to make it as easy for you to put a list together and uh, that that you would be kind of excited about. And and then also, too, when you're learning new songs, it gets kind of, I guess you would say it gets kind of workaday. It's like when I had to hear so many songs in a row that I'm unfamiliar with. It's like I don't really like this. So it's good to have some high points on the on these lists. But so many big hits here. Now you're going to know Sandman, Sad but True, which is great. Makes you want to grit your teeth. Unforgiven, wherever I may roam, uh, nothing else matters. All those were big hits. But let me let me share with you one. When, when maybe you're getting a little deeper into this, of Wolf and Man, incredible. Never was released as a single, and, and you had so many out here. I mean, what does this album sell? 16 million copies? I mean, something ridiculous like that. Maybe more. Let me look. Let's look together and see how many albums this thing sold. I think it's important to kind of give, to get that information right. Yeah, 16 times platinum. It's crazy. It's a diamond album. So that's where you're starting right there, the black album. Now, I saw these guys for the first time on this tour with the Cult. It was like right before school started. And it's justice for all. And we're going to go with one. We're going to go with one, and I know that's, again, that's the hit. That's the one that everybody knows. But for the same reasons, we're going to pick that one. Now, to give you a couple little, uh, you know, traveling tips here, I mentioned Harvester of Sorrow and, and, and uh and Blackened earlier. This is this is like one of the last cassettes that I bought. And then we started transitioning into uh to CDs a little bit more. But there is not a bad song on this album. And it was a great bridge from being an underground band to being a mainstream band with the black album. The black album, of course, is just self titled Metallica. But the first video they did was for one, they went out and bought the video footage, the rights to Johnny Got His Gun, and they wrote this incredible song about it. Everybody knows it. Seven minutes and twenty six seconds of absolute rocking joy. But when you get a little deeper, I'm telling you, blackened, and there's there's a bridge part in there where Kirk Hammett just lays the hammer down. It is phenomenal. But If I had to give you my favorite song on the album, it's "Harvester of Sorrow. So that leaves one, right? The number one Metallica album, in my opinion, and again, I know that I'm going to get in trouble because there are people like, oh, the Black Album, the hell these hits. It's true. I think the better songs, though, even though, and I just sit here and just railed and railed and railed about how Great Injustice for All and the self-titled album are. For me... The one that made me a Raven fan. The one that just like, you know what, Steve, these are your dudes, man. It's Master Puppets. And we're gonna go with this self titled album, not just because of the self titled track, not just because of the fact that it was featured so well in, in Stranger Things. I, I think Kirk Hammett's guitar work on this is legendary. Not just this song, but the entire album. I love battery. That's a lead track on there. That's one that just absolutely, you know, you talk about being in your face. No one, it's a great opening track for an album. And of course, those days, you know, we were on cassette. So that was song one, side one. Welcome Home Sanitarium. That's another great one there too. And then Damage Incorporated. That is a deeper track that closes out the album. That'll also uh, remind you too that uh, it's a fist fight out there in life. So, that's my idea of what, how I would rank the top ten Metallica albums, and this is a little bit longer segment than normal because I wanted to, to, to devote this because I know there is a tremendous amount of interest in Metallica these days, and as one of your friends that loves Metallica, I wanted to give you my thoughts for those of you that are maybe new to Metallica. Now, you guys may not know this, Peyton Plumley's dad. Uh, I think his name is Mike. Mike Plumley. Michael Plumley. Uh, He has been all over the world to watch Metallica play. He even went went to Europe, I think in Scotland, to watch them in a castle. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, these are the kind of fans these guys generate. So I'm going to give you the warning label now. When you start jamming these songs, like they talk about how your new life will cost you your old life, when you start getting into Metallica, it's kind of like having a steak for the first time. Once you've had a steak, a pork chop that will never taste the same again. So once you get into this, you can be like, dude, where has this been my whole life? So let's make metal part of pop culture again. You know, we hadn't had the mainstream support we've had, but we metalheads are a very committed lot. So I'm doing my best to share the gift of rock to you. So enjoy the list. I, know, I, I think this one's going to do really well. And uh, again, I think this is one of those things where if you're new to Metallica, Listen to me. Listen to these songs, and all of a sudden you're going to feel like, you know what, there's a lot more to this than just Eddie on top of uh, you know of a trailer out there playing Master of Puppets and Stranger Things. There's so much more to it. And there's a reason that that song was selected. It's because it absolutely rocks. You have ideas for the top ten list? Reach out and let us know. We'll be happy to do them. Uh, find Roy on Twitter and on Spotify at Dogmatic67, 67. 7 Roy does a great job for us kind of putting these lists together, man. And, and uh, I know today we're putting these on Spotify. We're going to help Metallica's numbers, and maybe we'll help them get to number one. I mean, we'll have a small part in it. It's just, it's just phenomenal to see a band from the 80s that has been so influential have success with a newer generation. So you guys are awesome for supporting Metallica. All right, let's talk a little baseball. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. They're great people. I still have not had a chance to get by there. It's just been crazy dealing with all this Internet stuff. But uh, I will get by there and tour the new bully shop. Go by and check them out. See their smiling faces. Lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, Miss Pam Maynard, everybody involved, great people, doing a great job for a great fan base. If you can't get to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order, less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And now is the time to start thinking about your game day outfit. You need some new gear. Visit them, campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. All right, the mock drafts are out. You know, the draft will start on Sunday, and uh, I don't know exactly what to expect just yet. I think we're all just kind of holding our breath, waiting to see. So one of the guys that I follow that I have found to be very credible over the years, he actually writes for MLB.com. That's Jim Callis. And you can find him on Twitter, Jim, C-A-L-L-I-S, Jim Callis. He is a guy, obviously, that has access to some front office people. So I feel like that his mock drafts are pretty close. He's not 100% all this, you know, people, there's some some mystery with all this. But I think Jim is a guy that does a good job gathering information, compiling that for our you know our review there. And so I'm going to go over some things, and I wrote about some of this yesterday. Um, so... The first Bulldog name of interest, of course, is Jet Williams. Uh, Jim has him on his 250 as the 21st player in the draft. He actually has him going 16th to the Guardians. I'm still not used to that. The Cleveland Guardians or Gargantuans or whatever they are these days. Uh, he has Jet going there. And I think we can all rest in the fact that Jet Williams will never play a game at Mississippi State. It's not going to happen. That guy's going to sign. Probably going to be a big leaguer someday. And again, expected to go in the first round. And Mississippi State's been on him a long time. And again, we're on the right kids. He is the only one right now of the signees that we feel certain will sign a pro contract. Outside of that, it's rather interesting. Now, the number 41 player on Jim's top 250 is Logan Tanner. Now, we have heard for two years Logan Tanner was a potential first rounder. We've heard that Logan Tanner will be among the first catchers taken. He did not have the year offensively we were expecting, but I do think he did a good job bringing his average up. He didn't have the power numbers maybe he did a year ago, but he did a better job kind of working the backside. And I think he shows himself to be a more polished player than some other guys in the draft. And uh, you know, Hayden Dunhurst is a guy, too, that uh, came back, probably should have come out last year from Ole Miss, He's, he's in the top 250, but he's well behind Logan Tanner. So we do expect Logan to go ahead of Hayden Dunhurst, who is a great receiver and does a great job blocking up. But LT looks like the first of the Bulldog roster players to be drafted this year. Probably a second rounder. Could be you a know, late first rounder in those compensatory picks, maybe. I think our streak probably ends this year. I think it does. Our first round streak. Uh, and that's not maybe to be expected or, or not to be a surprise. I think it's probably expected. Um, so let's kind of g- expect that, Logan Tanner, to continue a great tradition of Bulldog catchers making the major leagues. Number 44, Landon Sims. I got It's a, a first-round talent. You know, he had the Tommy John injury last year. That's all been well-documented. A lot of people, the day after that he injures himself, I am at Tulane, and I run into two scouts, one of which I know very well. I'm like, hey, what's the deal here? Is he still a first-rounder? Both guys told me, up to me, we take him in the first round. Nobody's worried about arm surgery anymore. A lot of guys come back from Tommy John throwing even harder. Uh, Landon Sims, 44 on the list. So we certainly expect him to go in the first two rounds. Maybe he didn't go on Sunday, probably goes on Monday, but uh, this is a guy that we do expect to go very, very early. And congratulations to Landon and his family. All right, the next guy on the list is a signee of ours. And there the, the mocks are all over the place with him. There is a lot of questions about his signability. And that is Desoto central left-hander, Bradley Lofton. Bradley Lofton, according to multiple scouts, is good enough to start on weekends in the Southeastern Conference right now. I know we didn't have a great final start against Northwest Rankin. Okay, so you can save your comments. Everybody has a a, a bad day every once in a while. Didn't have a great day against Northwest Rankin. But Bradley Lofton is a guy that is very projectable, big, long, lean left-hander with V-low, has a three-pitch mix. Going to be drafted or should be drafted, but might not go as early as some of the projections because there's some discussion that he's going to want – well over a million dollars to sign now that's one thing to say it's another thing to do when the check is across the table you know when JT Ginn came to school that, that's different you know, like you hear like, people like Kumar Rocker turn down you know all this money it's one thing when people are talking about that pre-draft JT Ginn and those guys had to sit across from the table and see that check sitting right there right I mean it, it was a real situation for them And so, I think Bradley Lofton might be in a similar situation. Now, there are some people close to Bradley that tell me it's a huge Bulldog family. It's been his dream to to pitch at Mississippi State. Could probably boost his draft stock and potentially be a first-rounder in three years. This guy can really bring it. So, probably comes into Mississippi State as the Sunday guy and then leaves as the Friday guy. That's how talented he is. He is number 77 on Jim's list. And so that's one to really watch if he goes if he's a 77th player taken that's not going to be anywhere close to what we're hearing that his desired signing bonus is but again until we see this we don't know for sure and it may be a situation too where people are like you know what because we know he's going to go to school or we feel like he's going to go to school it's going to be you know too much out of slot to sign this guy maybe he doesn't get drafted or if he does he goes late and there are some guys out there that have pulled their names out of the draft, too. So you've got to be prepared for that. Uh, Colby Holcomb, we've talked about him on the show. I interviewed him recently on Gene's page. And uh, Colby, a you talk about a big league body. You know, a guy that's big, long, physical, very imposing figure on the mound. He's like 6'6", 225, 230 pounds. Really brings the heat. He is the 134th player on Jim's list. Now... Based on what I've heard from people close to him, he's planning to come to school. Now, he's in school now, but he's planning to not sign a pro contract. And I'm told that he would need life-changing money, and I don't know if you get that at 134. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It certainly puts him in the top 10 rounds, and it's a little different than it was. You know, 2019 was the last year of the 40-round draft, and back in those days, you wanted your guys to get drafted late, because it kind of validated their talent. You think, hey, this guy can really play. Nowadays, you don't want guys to get drafted because guys that usually get drafted sign with a 20-round draft. They basically cut the number of picks in half. Guys are more likely to sign. So if Holcomb is drafted, we're going to have to sweat that thing out. I, I don't think that he's going to sign just for a couple hundred thousand dollars, though. That's a guy that could potentially come back, play a year, and go right back into the draft portal. I don't think he, and that's the transfer portal, but the, you know, the, the talent pool, the, the draft pool uh, for 2023. So if we can get a year out of him, we've really done well. Now the next guy on the list is a current player. Now Jim has Brad Kumbus at 173 on his top 250. Now you talk to some people out there in pro baseball, and the opinions are kind of mixed on him. I had one scout tell me, that Brad is a thousand at bats behind the rest of the class. A thousand at bats. Because he missed fall baseball every year. He missed playing in a cape every year because he was committed to football. And so, the one year that he really commits himself to baseball, he has a career year. They believe that his best baseball is still to come. And so, this is a guy that's very projectable. He's a good athlete, he's got wheels, head for power. He's a guy, too, that can work the backside when necessary. But uh, he really projects as a big league ball player. I won't be the least bit surprised if we look up one day and Brad Cumbas is playing in the show. And he is a guy that would do, certainly will sign. He will get drafted and sign. And listen, he told me last year, I mean, probably a year ago to the day, I saw Brad at Starville Cafe. He had, he was getting ready to go have the surgery on the shoulder. And he goes, hey, I'll give you some scoop right here. I'm meeting with Leach on Monday. I'm not going to play football. I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery on my shoulder, and then I'll get drafted next year. That was a plan, and it looks like it's, things are going to go right according to plan. And I love Brad Kumbas. I know you guys do too. There haven't been many players over the years that have been more Mississippi State than Brad Kumbas, and so I'm really happy for him. Uh, this is a guy I remember. I went and watched him in high school. He was a junior football player. I went to go watch a different – offense. I went to watch an offensive lineman. Kevin Fant was offensive coordinator at centraled the central then – and uh, went to go watch a lineman at State, was uh, not, not quite sure about, he ended up going to Louisiana Tech. State didn't offer in the end. And fans like, our best player is Cumbest. He said, hey, watch this. And they basically throw the fade to Mule, and the play was like called something Mule, split three, Mule something, you know, s- silliness. And they just throw it up there. They triple cover Brad, and he brings it down. You know, he's just a phenomenal athlete. So really happy for him. And, and yeah, he won't be back. I mean, you might as well go ahead and get ready for that. He won't get back. And, uh, again, I don't know that Brad owes us anything else. I mean, Brad was part of an NFL championship team. All right, the next player of Mississippi State interest in the top 250 is Dakota Jordan. Now, I interviewed uh, Dakota here a couple weeks ago. Didn't have any pre-draft workouts set up, and then he ends up going to the MLB Combine. Had a pretty good showing out there. So he's a guy that will have some interest. I don't think 177 is going to be enough, though. I think that he's a guy – I continue to hear he's going to command a pretty high signing bonus in order to leave the possibility of playing college baseball. So he's on campus right now. I feel like we're in a good spot with him, but until we know where his draft position is, it's difficult to really have any true confidence. I still feel pretty good about it, but I think if he goes you know, around 170, that he's going to be in college. Now, one of the things that Dakota told me, too, is kind of, you know, are you ready to do adult life? Are you ready to get out there and do all these things that maybe you're not having to do for yourself? I think he probably needs a couple years to mature and live on his own and probably college would be good for him. I think that he's a guy, too, that coming here and play a couple years, he's a guy that'll play his way in the top 100. I don't think there's any question. And then there's Ross Highfill. He's 197. Now, what I'm told from an impeccable source, is he is going to need seven figures or more to bypass a college baseball career. Ross is a guy that we expect to contribute immediately. This is a guy that I would suspect, let's say Luke Hancock comes back or whatever, I think Ross is still probably catching one to two times a week. I think he's probably catching midweek and probably one day on the weekends. If, at the very least, I think he catches a little bit and then takes over full-time next year. This is a special athlete, guys. This is not, and I'll be honest with you, I think he's a better athlete than Logan Tanner. You know, with Logan, you had to worry a little bit about him getting too big. I just don't think that's the case with Ross. I mean, you, you see the picture. I tweeted it out yesterday. Um, that kid's put together. And he's a guy that has some wheels. He's. I mean, you look at him, it's like he's up there, and uh, he hits the ball hard in the right center field gap, and he legs out a triple. I mean, how many catchers have we had historically that could do that? The guy's a freak, and that's one of the reasons that MLB teams are on him. I don't think that he is going to get offered enough to go. I do think that he'll be here, and again, I've talked to people close to him. They, they say, hey, he wants to go play at Mississippi State. The kid's living his dream. This the, he, Ross Highfield is a difference maker for us. There's no question about it. And I think that he's a guy, too, that could potentially play his way into first-round status after a couple years in Mississippi State. I don't think there's any question. This guy can really, really play. So that's where we are. And he said, well, Steve – you didn't mention Cam James. I didn't. Cam, Cam's not listed. And I still think Cam has probably got to get drafted high enough to go, though. Age is a part of this thing, too. Now, if Cam comes back, I think it's huge for the program. It's probably huge for him. Because remember, 2020 was freshman year. He gets that year back. His first full season, we won an AFL championship. But then last year, you know, Cam's offensive numbers were better last year. He, he was short a couple home runs. Mm-hmm. But he hit for better average. And listen, he had to hit three hole, too. I, I think Cam's probably got it needs to be down in order a little bit. I think that's where he benefits. Um, so if we get him back, I think it's a bonus. I still figure if he goes, you know, in the top 10 rounds, that he'll sign and go. Now, Luke Hancock, I think, is a little different. I don't, I don't think Luke's going to go in top 10 rounds. I think if Luke is drafted at all, it'll be in the back end of this draft. And then he'll have a decision to make. You know, the way the CBA works, I think even the 20th rounds, like 150, 125,000. To go, And that's a good start in life. And I understand, too, that Luke is engaged. And, you know, you know maybe he wants to spend the first year of his marriage together rather than on the road. You know, so I don't know what he's thinking. I think it's big if you get him back. Cause I think it an answers catching. I think also, too, having to depend on a true freshman is probably a dicey proposition, even as great as Ross Highfield is. It'd be nice to have, you know, Luke there to kind of help kind of figured out. I think Luke also improves the stock. Now, of course, him being a senior with no leverage, you know, of course reduces the signing bonus. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. Ross uh, is a guy, obviously, they can play. But I think Luke is a guy, too, They can kind of work that thing together. And then we'll see. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, believe it or not, that really like Parker's net. And, and I don't say that to be negative at Parker. I think you know, he has that hammer curve. And he's got good velo, and there are some people that think that he's projectable. He could be a guy that's drafted late. Now, the issue with him is going to be he hadn't been 100% healthy. You know, that's the thing. You know, last year, even before they shut him down, he was struggling a little bit with health because he's a gamer. Did the best he could for this team. You know, people forget he was a national pitcher of the week, one week. And then we go to Georgia, and it's like it just kind of loses it. We had a rough night at Arkansas. Uh, But Parker is a guy, too, that has some tools that a lot of people are intrigued by. So we'll see how things progress. But um, what I'm more worried about on the back end is what happens if Bill Knight and Colton Ledbetter get drafted. You know, those are guys you look at. You know, Aaron Nixon, I think he's probably got to go pretty early. I think we expect him to be at school. I think he needs another year. Relievers usually don't go very high, and he didn't have a great year last year. But that's a concern too. You got to watch it. said so there's so many things you're watching. You're watching your signees, you're watching your portal transfer guys, you're watching uh, your returning roster. There's just so so many pieces to this that you're still figuring out. And I think it's important to kind of understand that some of these portal classes that are out there are going to look different a week from now. Because there're going to be some guys that get drafted that are going to sign. And again, you know, it's a 20-round draft these days, and so you know, the days of guys uh, you kind of getting drafted and followed, even though that's still an option, this doesn't happen. I mean, it's only a handful of guys that don't that get drafted and don't sign. So I share that with you just to kind of frame it up a little bit. And then, of course, next week we'll kind of break down how things went, uh, you know, with the draft. But uh, it's a big week for Mississippi State baseball, big in a lot of respects. And so this those are the names you should be mindful of. And that's not to say that there were some guys that uh, perhaps were – not mentioned It won't be drafted you know could be a lot of bulldogs selected even though we you know we had a bad year last year that's not necessarily a reflection on individual talent but I'm eager to get this behind us and I know Chris Simonis is too I talked to Chris here you know a few days ago and uh, he said you know hey you you just don't know I mean that's the thing is like you talk to all these people and you simply just don't know I mean you talk to the kids and the kids have an idea of what they want to do and that changes once the you know, people get involved. so There's just a lot to it. So, I want to frame that up for you as best we can. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan is kind of the um, the founder of the Feast, I guess you could say, in many respects. Uh, Brooks, a guy that uh, wore the M over S, still does. Just uh, And I still think Brooks could play, at least once. Um, Brooks is a good dude, man. I've been really proud to partner with Portico. If I was moving to Starkville, that's where I'd move. Now, if you want information about Portico, call Brooks at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Because Portico is your best option. If you're thinking of moving to Starkville, you need to move to Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, easy access to 82, 25, 12. We can get you where you need to be rather quickly. You get in and out and get home, get back on the road whenever you need to without having to fight a lot of traffic, a lot of convenience involved in every bit of that. You can get up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home there, and as the small as a two-bedroom, two-bath home. So they have a, a house plan to fit your needs. Phase one is completely sold out. Your new neighbors are already enjoying life here in the Golden Triangle. Phase two, under construction now. Got about 10 houses under construction. Some of those are already sold. Some are ready to purchase And then there are some other lots that are still available for you to pick your house plan and your lot and kind of have a custom build to fit your needs. Whether it's your ballgame weekend retreat, your future retirement home, or your primary residence, Portico has a place for you. Make Portico your next move. I would be remiss if we got out the door without talking about the latest Mississippi State men's basketball commitment. I'm sure that I'm going to mispronounce this, but I believe this is Guy Chole, uh, he is from Green Forest, McCaleb Christian Academy over in Decatur, Georgia. He is a seven foot, 235-pound center. Now, I have seen some videos of him. I don't cover basketball recruiting. You know, Paul Jones handles that for us. does a great job for us. Um, but the videos that you guys have, have shared and I've seen, you know, a lot of big 7-footers are a little bit stiff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've had some of those guys. The guys that can't handle the ball on the post and can't put the ball on the floor. Not that we want them doing a whole lot. But this kid has some dexterity. This is a very, very, very athletic player. I think he, we had well over a dozen offers here. And in the end, State beats out Auburn head-to-head. I mean, they bring, Auburn brings them in for some visits. And let's just kind of run down some of the offers here, just because I think it's important. Uh, of course, State gets him. He had offers from Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, uh, Texas Tech, Vanderbilt, and several, several others. But in the end, it looked like a bull down to uh, to State and to Auburn. And if Bruce Pearl wants a kid, there's a good chance I'm going to want him too, right? So an interesting piece, originally offered by Ben Howland and his staff, George Brooks, a primary recruiter. George gets it done. Big win. And I think what Chris Jans is learning, and I'm a big fan of what Chris Jans has done so far, is George Brooks has some real value here at Mississippi State. Some real value here at Mississippi State. And if, if, if you're a newcomer coming in and somebody's like, well, hey, you need to take this guy. It's like, well, wait a minute. He's been here all these years, and they haven't really done a whole lot, so why do I want to keep him? I think what happened, George is proving himself. Not, th- not, not that there was ever any question. You know, we George Brooks is one of us. George Brooks loves Mississippi State, and we know that George Brooks is a prolific recruiter. So I think Chris Jans is beginning to realize, hey, you know what? I got something here with George Brooks. And George goes out and wins a very, very competitive recruitment here, getting Shoal in the boat. And uh, the finalist, he had released a top seven kind of days ahead of the announcement, were State, Auburn, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, and Wofford. Wofford. But we beat out some other SEC schools, and that hadn't always been the case. And when you've got guys that are seven-footers with some athleticism it's going to be competitive and a couple of things that he said it's always been great with mississippi state i've been talking to them from the start and that's why they're in my top group i talk with all their coaches mainly with coach george brooks i've known him for a long time it's a very good relationship and i can tell he cares about his players and as he mentioned about the rest of the coaching staff as i said i really like their coaching staff they're all winners and family based people they said they have a big need at center in the class too my conversation with coach jans have been good, and we've spoken multiple times. He's a wonderful man and a wonderful coach. And I'm, listen, I'm a firm believer in this. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think Mississippi State is a tournament team this year, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I believe that we are going to play a very exciting brand of basketball. I believe we're going to be a lot more fun to watch. I think people are going to see a lot more effort on the offensive and and defensive end. I'm not going to sit here and take Ben Howland's inventory. That era is now behind us. It's not about where we were. It's about where we're going, right? But when you watch, you know, Chris Jansen's team last year play in the tournament, sometimes it was like they were playing a different game. The level of effort those guys put forth on the defensive end was remarkable. And then you see these offensive sets, how they were able to get multiple guys' open looks That's exciting for me. And I think it's time for us to make the hump roar again. I I really do. And I'm excited about, you know, the renovations and things like that and kind of what's happening with Humphrey Coliseum. And while the fan amenities are going to be a big part of things, as you guys are going to want to come out and say, "Let's, let's see the new part of this, that's going to be great. I think the real drawing card is going to be Mississippi State basketball, not just the Humphrey Coliseum. Because there's a lot of people that can go out there and spend some money and you know update the bathrooms and put in some new ribbon boards and things like that but at the end of the day you guys want to see an exciting brand of basketball i think that's what chris jans brings when i first learned that chris jans is a finalist for this job it made perfect sense to me because i think he fits us from a cultural standpoint i don't know that mcmahon did you know he said lsu now i don't know that he did And there was a lot of discussion. Oh, he's the lead candidate. You know, that wasn't what I was told. I was told it was kind of 1A, 1B. It was kind of like, you know, it's Jans McMahon. We'll see what happens. But I love the hire. I love what he's done so far recruiting. Listen, they've worked the portal very hard. And again, it's a brand new team. But there are some foundational standards with Chris Jans that are already apparent from what we've seen. Number one, he's going to be a great recruiter. He's going to work really hard. They're going to develop players. And I think that's one of the things that uh, we are maybe needing a lot of improvement in is you guys have to get better. And not just because of the fact they're getting experience, but we've got to see some refinement of, of the tool bag. And I think that's what you're going to see with Jans. Uh, again, I'm really excited about this. I love this commitment too. And, again, I didn't know much about the kid at all until I, Paul wrote the story and then we see the video. When you see those videos out there of this guy, if you hadn't seen them, let me encourage you to go find them. You're going to be impressed. You're going to, you're going to be really impressed. I, I was. To see a guy that size uh, spot up and shoot the big three, a guy that can handle the basketball, it's pretty incredible. So, again, make your plans now. I know in many respects many of our fans have kind of tuned out on men's hoops. I think it's time to tune back in. and Make your plans to attend some games uh, this winter. And not, not just because of the fact we want to welcome Chris Jans and staff to Starkville and show them that we're supporting them but because I think you're going to get a lot more value for your entertainment dollar than maybe you have the last few years I think you're going to come out there and you're going to see these guys really go get after people I think you're going to be some big wins and I've had some messages recently Steve when do you know when the non-conference schedule is going to be out any day now I mean it's traditionally you know around this time of year and I would suspect you know with the coaching change maybe there's it may be some ebb and flow with all of that. It may be a little bit of a delay, but uh, they'll announce that sooner rather than later. And I don't care who we play. I don't care if we line up and play the Mississippi School of Math and Science. Uh, I'm eager to see this team on the floor, and I'm eager to get out there and see the brand of basketball Chris Jan is going to bring. And so, uh, you know, looking at, you know, Joel's numbers too, you know, he's not a prolific scorer. And maybe that changes, you know, with Chris. You know, guys kind of are who they are. But uh, to have a big eraser in the middle like that, an athletic seven-foot shot blocker, that makes life a little bit easier on the defensive end. You can play real aggressively on the perimeter when you've got a guy down low that uh, can make plays in the paint. But Schell averaged uh, 9.7 points, 8.4 rebounds, and 2.7 block shots a game, 64% from the field, and uh, not, a, not a prolific free-throw shooter at 68%. We've got to get that, that fixed. Uh, but the reality of it is It's a good get It's a good get A big win for George Brooks A big win for Chris Jansen A big win for Mississippi State Alright, let's get ready to get out of here And again, I'll be back tomorrow And a uh, matter of fact I'm going to go have a lunch I'm not going to tell you who with i we have a lunch today And I'm going to get some information For the show tomorrow And then I'm going to get some ink therapy This afternoon And I need it Because of how stressful The last couple weeks have been But it's really kind of a birthday gift to myself I'm, I'm uh, having a birthday nine days ago and So we're going to go do that. You need to buy a gift for yourself. Go to dogpilethebook.com. And we're selling a lot of Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. And so that inventory is nearly depleted. So don't wait. Don't wait. Let's get it taken care of. Go to dogpilethebook.com. And you can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Dogpile, and the second printing is now available, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. Very simple. I had somebody message me yesterday and said, Steve, I wanted to get another copy of Flim Flam because my copy got destroyed when I moved. But I want a signed copy. Everything there is signed. They have stock that is signed of all four of my sports books. If you want them personalized, that's going to require a little more time and a little bit of a delay. Not that I'm not happy to do it, but uh, kind of got to arrange that these time of years because uh, I'm not headed south as often as I normally would be. Not doing as many book signings. Kind of enjoying some downtime but you owe it to yourself to get this taken care of and again we're not going to reprint alpha dogs and stark villains this year may even be a year before we do it so once that inventory is depleted i can't promise you when it's coming back so complete your collection by getting that order in today again go to dogpilebook.com and you can get all four of the books right then and there and i encourage you if you hadn't already it's time to get excited about baseball again and as bad as this year has been maybe you need to read and remind yourself that we were the kings of college baseball a year ago. So be sure and go check that out. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find that at Amazon.com, Booksamillion.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can have your local bookstore order it. And Stark Villains gear is always available at StarkVillains.com. I don't wear a Stark Villain shirt all the time, but when I do, people stop. me. I love the shirt. Where'd you get it? StarkVillains.com. And there are a lot of fans at the Boneyard who don't have a Stark Villain shirt. Uh, You can take care of that yourself. And and again, I've heard from some of you, you'd like to have a new Boneyard shirt. We had one, and we sold a ton of them. We sold a ton of Rose Bowl was ride shirts. Discontinued all that. We brought the Stark Villain shirts out. And uh, so I'm contemplating bringing another Boneyard shirt out for you guys to make it available for you to rep the brand, and I appreciate you doing so. Uh, So still kind of kicking that around. But for now, go to StarkVillains.com and get your Stark Villain gear. You'll be glad you did. Again, so many people, dude, where'd you get the shirt? Startgoings.com. Very, very simple. All right. Again, back on Wednesday, hopefully we'll have this internet thing resolved. And i tell you too, it's not just the imposition, man. It's the stress associated with it. And that's what I'm ready to get behind me is I, I'll, I just want things to work. I mean, is it that difficult when I pay for things? I want them to work. I want people to be able to facilitate and deliver the services that they promise that I'm paying for. And I, know, I don't think it's too much to ask. I think we all feel exactly the same way. I know things happen in life, but the reality of it is when I have to get on the phone, like I lo- today I thought at least I don't have to call anybody today because they're going to bring a tech out tomorrow. I don't have to call anybody for two days and spend hours upon hours dealing with all this. So I apologize for this disruption in the schedule the last couple of weeks. It's kind of beyond my control I'm doing the best I can. But um, again, we'll be back tomorrow. And uh, might even record tonight. We'll just have to see how I feel after uh, I'm getting a pretty substantial tattoo. So we'll have to kind of see how I feel after that. Sometimes I get a little irritable after that for a day or so. So it uh, might be a salty show on Wednesday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.